0: This is a drink with a friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. and I'm Seth Haynes. Seth, what are you drinking this afternoon?
1: Have you ever heard of Ancient Nutrition?
0: No. The brand I've heard of those two words, ancient nutrition.
1: Yes, no. there are. Yes, you know Ancient, and you know Nutrition. Yeah. There is a brand called Ancient Nutrition, and they make bone broth. Oh, yeah. Powdered bone broth.
0: Okay. I had this, I'm
1: sure. So today I was noticing that I was a little low on my protein intake, which is to say a lot low. And um, so, and I needed some, pro- I need a lot of protein. And uh, I went to Ozark Natural Foods, which is our our, you know, local co-op, our local Whole Foods competitor. Yep. Um, I try to try to you know go there anytime I can instead of the Whole Foods. Um, and I picked up a packet of Ancient Nutrition chocolate bone broth that
0: tastes
1: amazing.
0: Okay, this this comes full circle to a few episodes when you talked about anything chocolate and healthy is terrible.
1: Hmm. I know, I know. And okay. someone on a uh, drink with friend on the uh, the sponsor of the drinks has mm-hmm. has recommended some things which I have not gotten around to trying. Um, but in preparation for today, while I was at ONF looking for high protein foods, um, I saw this and it was chocolate flavored and it was like three bucks and it had 20 grams of protein, like less than sh- no sugar, um, very few carbs. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this. And while I drink it on the air, um, I'm going to report to the people <laughs> about whether it's good or terrible, as all health healthful chocolate things are terrible. I- um this is kind of amazing.
0: Nice. All right, I'm mix- literally looking it up right now. So that's yeah. Very cool. I
1: mixed it in. I mixed it in six. It's, it recommends twelve ounces. It would probably be better, mm. um, but I mixed it in sixteen ounces of hot water.
0: Okay. Nice.
1: It would be super amazing in like hot, like cashew milk or mm-hmm. almond milk.
0: Cool. That's great to know because um, bone broth, like just the pure drinks, are expensive. So to me, three mm-hmm. bucks is not that bad.
1: Well, for a packet and I kind of use it ah. as a meal supplement. So Okay. Yeah. I mean if you I think the bigger the bigger tub of it is quite yeah. expensive. But yeah. Um, cool. but it's still amazing. So if you're nice. using it as a snack or supplement, I highly recommend it. Very so cool. I'm assuming that I know what you're drinking because you texted me before I on so you're running a <laughs> yeah. few minutes late because yeah. you're making your drink, which is?
0: Yeah, coffee, black coffee. I don't drink coffee that much when we talk because I can't do co- caffeine after 2 p.m., but this is 1 p.m., so I can still do it. I'm in the window. Um, so it's just kind of my standard cafe, Creole, Ethiopian coffee. That's just good. Um, it's nothing fancy, but it it's not it's really good coffee from the grocery store. I actually added some a cinnamon stick because oh. I I was just reading cinnamon and the nutritional benefits. So I'm just tossing it in there. And then I am actually testing out a theory. After we record, I'm going to take a 15 minute nap. And I was just watching this YouTuber talk about how the weird unknown effects of being of taking a power nap after drinking coffee. And that it does something or other that I can't remember. And I'm going to test to see if it's complete shit or if he's telling the truth. So um, we'll see. I've never been able to sleep. I've never been able to take good naps, but I'm desperate for some sleep. Can
1: we'll you see. report back on how I will learned?
0: report back. I will report also, back. Also,
1: interestingly, you said the amazing health benefits of a cinnamon stick. And yeah. I don't know what that even means.
0: It's like digestion, mental clarity, and um what is that called? The the gut, the bio gut stuff? Oh yeah. The, whatever that's called. It it ha- promotes healthy bacteria growth, like the good bacteria. Yeah. And not the bad bacteria. So okay. it that that is a very scientific way of explaining what I just said. But yeah.
1: That sounds pretty amazing. Maybe I need Thank to you. eat
0: a cinnamon stick today. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't do that. And that's probably toxic <laughs> or something. But, uh, <laughs> we are not doctors. Yes, that's right. All right. right. All right. Well, um, so we're kicking off. I I don't know if you want to call this a series because they're sort of they're not they're they're basically not non sequiturs. So in my mind, they're kind of a series. But this week and next week, we're going to talk about these two ideas we've had on our mind. Um, and today, what's been on my mind because it's been on my mind all week is this idea of slow. And this is not new. I've talked about slow and and moving slowly through life frequently in many different places. So um. I'm not reinventing. Well, I'm kind of reinventing the wheel here, except I want to talk about it in a slightly different way. Uh, the thing that's got me thinking about this is my current workout routine, which is walking. I've been walking about six miles a day for the past 17 days. So today's my 18th wow. day of walking six miles a day. I know. That's
1: amazing. How long does it take you to walk?
0: It, believe it or not, not as much as you think. Um it takes me... I mean, here's the thing. I don't do it in one sitting. So okay. I do it all throughout the day. I'm very grateful to live in a very walkable neighborhood. I walk... I've made this commitment post-Lent to walk anywhere a mile or less. And so I've just been walking everywhere. So I take a morning walk, afternoon, and evening walk. But then I I sometimes will just get up and walk around the block. It, It's for mental clarity in a lot of ways, but um, also for a lot of other health benefits. And it's really been a net positive for me. yeah. And I was doing some reading about it. I mean, we all just know walking is good for us. But here's the thing. It's really slow. I mean, that's a big duh, but it's a slow form of working out. And it doesn't feel like you're doing a lot. It feels like you're doing like the thing you've done since you were 18 months old, you know? Mm hmm. So th- it's just gotten me thinking about what does it look like to move slower through life. And so I've been thinking about three different ways that I think we can all move a little slower. But before I get into those three things, I don't know. Unpack with me a little bit, Seth, what does slow look like for you right now? Are you able to be slow at all in any capacity in your life at the moment?
1: Um Yeah. In some capacities, I I juggle a lot of hats from a career perspective, uh, mostly because I've I've made now two career shifts in the last uh, two years, one away from the practice of law and one back into the practice of law. And so I've had to juggle both of those transitions and I'm in the middle of one of those transitions right now. And so um, from a business perspective, I always feel like my hair is on fire right it's it's so everything moves so fast the practice of law moves pretty fast anyway um the content uh development and coaching and book editing and writing and all that moves pretty fast uh too with the kind of work i do in that space um so my day feels pretty fast but in the last probably i mean it's it's probably been a few months now but i've really been focused on i mean we've talked about this before i've been doing CrossFit now for almost a year. Um, and I've been focused on not just doing CrossFit, but then building some, some endurance work on top of that, that is intentionally steady state cardio, which is, you know, at, because I'm 43 is much slower than when I was 23. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. So, so I have been intentionally seeking a slower rhythm and slower, uh, pace, you know, I don't know, probably four to five times a week. Yeah. Um, Whether that's by sitting on a rower and just clocking off 45 minutes or whether that's going on a long run uh, to add that slower state cardio. Um, And that slow time is really helpful for me because it pulls me away from that breakneck speed. And I find actually yesterday I had a slow row day and there was this Issue that I was having a hard time unlocking. And within 10 minutes I picked up my phone and I texted the answer to somebody. So mm-hmm. um so that sort of slow slowing down, being disconnected from the internet, being connected really only to yourself and your thoughts has been really helpful for me. But I really have to to seek it out. And so yeah. I am not as good at, at it, probably as you are. So I would love to hear more about your journey into slowness. But before mm-hmm. I have a couple technical questions. Okay. One, are, is your morning, afternoon, and evening walk for mileage?
0: Um, well, it's for steps officially, but I also look at the mileage. So I've got a Fitbit that I got. Our whole family has them now, actually. And I wanted to track a number of things, but yes, technically it is. I walk our dog most of those walks. And I just keep track. I officially check for 10,000 steps a day, but it roughly checks out at four to six miles a day, um, what I end up clocking. So yeah, I go for mileage.
1: Is is 10,000, that was my second question is how many steps is six yeah. miles?
0: It's, uh, so 10,000 steps for me equals to about four miles. 15,000 steps gets northward of six, the reason I think I'm going to switch to looking at more miles after now that I've kind of gotten the habit of like, it feels weird. I mean, 18 days in a row of doing 10,000 plus steps. um, It feels normal to me. But the thing I've thought about is everybody's steps are different, right? Right, I mean, like my gait is a lot shorter than Kyle's because I'm a foot shorter than him. Um, But five miles is five miles. So that's kind of why I'm using that as a metric more probably in the near future. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, those are my two questions, miles and and steps. So I think that's good. I think when we're talking about slow exercise, one of the things, or slowness in general, but with slow exercise, I think one of the things is, having a consistent metric. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when I think of, uh, rowing, for instance, yesterday I rode a 10 K and it took me 45 minutes, just about 45 minutes, but I'm also really long and generate a lot of leverage. And so yeah. somebody who was rowing next to me, um, and rowing a 10 K who might be, you know, shorter, maybe like you, um, would have to pull a whole lot more. And so the amount of energy generated isn't quite the same. Um, And so that's why a lot of times people will say run for time, pull for time, row for time um, when you're doing these like sort of slower cardio, uh, Mm -hmm. steady state cardio uh, events. So I I like the idea of saying like, let's pick a a metric that is same, same and do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and for me, kind of one of the, the things I've noticed the past few weeks is I started off doing it for the physical health benefits, but the mental health and the emotional health have been right there with it to where that's one of the reasons why it starts feeling weird to me to not walk as much as I, you know, I, If I don't, if I, let's say I get 10 K closer to 10 K versus 15 K, I can feel the steps. I can feel it. Um, and so for me, the gains have been mostly mental because let's face it, I'm not sore after walking six miles and it's not hard. I mean, it really is not, but the mental clarity and the emotional clarity have been so great. And here's the reason our bodies release cortisol when we work out. And that's just how they do it. Women in particular release more cortisol than men. And that's the stress wow. hormone. That That yeah. is just the stress. We need that stress hormone. So it's not about getting rid of cortisol, but it's about having it released at the right times, I guess, or or for the right reasons. And right now I'm trying to lower my cortisol levels because I'm trying to get better sleep and I'm trying to work on my mental health, just my, my constant monkey brain. Yeah. And so I need to lower my cortisol levels and walking is a great way to do it because it's one of the only forms of um, active working out that lowers cortisol level, not cool. elevates it. And so that's why I feel like the mental and emotional benefits have been just really, really solid for me. And that's kind of where I want to park on, because, you know, as much as we like to talk about fitness and we continue, we will continue to, I think we all can relate a little bit to thinking slower and maybe reacting a little slower to the things in our life. We've all been through a global pandemic. And I think most of us have experienced a slowing down of our life in the past 12 months because of our calendars, you know, that they have emptied. And I don't know about you, Seth, but that was to me, probably the best benefit of something like this that has not been a good thing. I have welcomed the the lowered expectations of me needing to be yeah. somewhere at a certain time and having to run all over town to take kids places, stuff like that. It's been a really nice slowing down in that department.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. We We were talking the other night about how, you know, there was a moment early in the pandemic where my business on one front slowed down so much that I was actually kind of concerned, you know, but yeah. by the same token, we were eating out zero. We were going zero. We were driving zero. And we started re- realizing that, oh, maybe we're losing a little bit of money, but we're also saving a ton of money. Yeah. Um, just as a result of the slowness. And then we started realizing, oh, and we're more connected and um, we're spending more time together. We see each other more in these things um, just because the pace of life had slowed down so much. And over yeah. the last really probably six months, it's just kind of slowly creeped up and I miss some of those things, some of the, that slow time. I yeah. just miss it.
0: Yeah, I do too. Well, and this is for me why it's a benefit to um do something like walk, because you can claim it. You know, walking is yeah. completely not efficient. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, you don't right. get anywhere quickly when you walk. If I choose to walk to the pharmacy to pick up a prescription or um, you know, to the library to pick up a book, by walking, I am intentionally taking the harder slower, more methodical route. But I welcome this space. You know, many times I listen to an audiobook or a podcast, but I'm also really, truly embracing the being with my thoughts, especially in the spring when I can hear birds and wind Mm -hmm. and and, and things like that, and I don't want to miss them. Um, And so I guess kind of what's been on my mind is this idea that we can all maybe collectively understand uh, um, three different ways that we can embrace a more sacramental nature of of res- of slow. And it all has to do with response, responding to the world around us. Um, and the first one, and I'm curious what you think, Seth, actually, while I pull it up, I'm pulling up a tweet um, that I retweeted. I didn't write it, but I loved it. I read last week. Um, how quickly do you respond to email?
1: Oh, man, I'm not super great at it. But some of it is that I put parameters around my time. So if yeah. you send me a business at, uh, email, that's non-urgent, you know, after hours, I'm not going to respond, period, mm-hmm. end of story, um, until business hours. Now, there are exceptions to that. I have a client who will periodically text me something and is on a different time zone and, you know, will then text and say, hey, I know it's after hours, but will you look at that? And yeah, I, I will do that. But um, I am probably, I feel like I'm an efficient responder to emails, but I'm not always timely because I... I, I don't respond after hours. So, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty slow.
0: I'm very slow. I, I yeah, no one will give me an award for inbox zero ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I saw this tweet. It's by a guy named Mark Sparrow. I don't know who it is, but he, he just says, best email signature ever. It is normal for me to take a couple of days to read my emails and several more days to reflect on the matter and respond in a calm manner. The culture of immediacy and the constant fragmentation of time are not compatible with the kind of life I lead. And That's
1: amazing.
0: I know. And it feels a little... Stick it to the manish, you know, I can see how somebody can read it and think, well, who are you to say that this is not compatible with the life you lead? I need an answer, ASAP. Right. But I really like this because I think the point of an email signature like this is saying, listen, these things you are putting in my inbox, you're not owed a quick response. Um, someone even commented below that when they started work, in the early nineties, it was just a normal practice to not respond to a letter within two weeks. And so the sudden expectation for a same day, sometimes same hour response is just not realistic. Um, And I, I once heard my favorite definition of an email inbox is uh, well, it was like a to-do list from somebody else or a to-do list for someone else's time. I forget how they said it, but basically it's people wanting things from you yeah. most of the time. And so I guess for me, I I really like this idea of embracing a slow to reply posture. And I've done this for a long time. You know, I've had this no need to reply practice to my emails, but I don't know, to me, I just, I feel like this might be an encouragement to anyone listening that there is perhaps not as urgent a need to reply to that email, to that Slack message, to that text, to that request to volunteer at your kids end of the year banquet, all these things that you can take, you know, you have permission to think it over before you reply to something like that. Yeah,
1: And it seems to me that one of the the benefits of your practice, if I'm like thinking it, your, your walking practice, if I'm thinking about it in practical terms is if I were to walk more everywhere I went and an email ca- came across, you know, a- on my way to the library, one, I might not even see it unless I'm looking at my phone while I'm walking, which kind of feels antithetical to the whole point. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, even if you did rec- receive it, um, are you going to s- stop on the side of the road and sit there and type it out with your thumbs? Probably not. So it feels like even when you're when you're talking about this, and maybe this is part of your your initial point, is that. As you go on these walks, and as you slow down um the tyranny of the urgent actually can't reach out and grab you by the
0: throat a hundred percent That's one of the great beauties of this, and I think you know just being outside at minimum is is this invitation to detach from the ability to be immediate. In fact, I have been tempted by the idea of leaving my phone, which I know sounds like uh just leave your phone. what's the big deal um but for me, I think because of the audiobook podcast tethering, I haven't done it and I've been more reluctant, but I think I'm going to try that because, I mean, here's the thing. I barely check my email on the phone anyway, but it, I'm still reachable. You know, I right. I still could be reached. And so, yeah, I mean, that is one of the great beauties of of a slower posture is intentionally making yourself, um, making it inconvenient, let's just say, yeah. to reply quickly to things in life.
1: And that's one of the, you know, it's sort of a side practice. I've heard people talk about this with respect to social media. How do you slow down the onslaught of social media and social de- media demands on your time? You know, like mm-hmm. responding to every, you know, comment on any, you know, choose your platform or, or making sure that you post on choose your platform, um, which is yeah. all pretty vacuous stuff if we're being yeah. super honest. Um, yeah. Although my beautiful thing that I'm going to share today is literally an Instagram profile, but anyway, that aside, All I've right. often heard it said: if you want to live a slower life, if you want to not be dragged into the tyranny of the urgent, then make it more difficult to get to, insert the platform your your Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever the thing the next thing is. Um, yeah, make it yeah. inconvenient.
0: Yeah, add some friction there. Yeah. Um I don't have Twitter on my phone. I currently have Instagram on my phone because I was working on a thing. But um, for the better part of the pandemic, I deleted it and only downloaded it on Fridays. And that was fantastic to where I had to intentionally go and download it, re sign in, re tell it, yes, you can have access to my photo library. And it was really good for me because I wouldn't just mindlessly scroll when I was, you know, waiting. Yeah at a checkout line. Um, And, but I could still access it on my laptop, but there's something a little more intentional about getting, opening up your laptop. And that's um, the same with Twitter. So
1: um,
0: that's actually a nice segue to my second form of being slow. And that's kind of flip side of the same coin. And that's being slow to respond, which is, I know kind of similar to slow to reply, but it's this idea that, I don't know, something in this culture of ours has dictated that we should respond to situations right away. If we're to be good people. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, I I made the foolish decision a few days ago to, to scroll through my unsubscribe messages, like why people unsubscribe from my email. Never do that. I know not to do that. I mean, I've been doing this work. It's never helpful. It's like yeah. looking at book reviews; they're not helpful right. for me.
1: It's actually, it's actually like going and um, asking people that hate you why they hate you to their exactly. face. It's just exactly. Like, just let it go. Who cares? Doesn't Who matter.
0: Who cares? I don't care why you've unsubscribed. But um, this one person unsubscribed for me because I did not respond to a current newsworthy event that happened uh, not too long ago. I didn't. Rep- I didn't make a statement in my weekly email, and so she decided that was. Worth an unsubscribe and yeah. worth telling me. Here's the thing: I didn't even know it happened because I had closed up all those things because I had a book deadline.
1: Yeah. So
0: I literally did not know it happened. Yeah. And so my silence was for a reason. But here's the thing: even if I did know it happened, if I didn't reply to it, that doesn't make me a bad person. Mm-hmm. It, if anything, it it simply made me a person who needed to think or maybe let other people who are wiser than me or have more ownership in the issue or stake in the issue speak about the thing. Um, and so I just find it interesting that we live in this world that says if you're remotely online, which is honestly all of us, most mostly, you know, most people have chosen to be on social media if they're listening to a podcast, um, that you need to say something. And I just think that's really, really weird. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like yeah. it.
1: There's yesterday. I was watching um, some awkward Mark Zuckerberg moments. That was the title of the YouTube video (laughs) clip. I was actually looking for something to make this sort of meta joke. Um, This is this is all getting really weird. What I'm about to tell you, I was looking for a clip to make a meta joke on Instagram in a Reels post. Okay, it was going to be this like really snarky meta sort of. Joke about reels themselves. So I started looking for um, awkward moments of Mark Zuckerberg, (laughs) and I happened to run into this one. And he was before Congress, and they were asking him questions. And they said something like, "Uh, "Mr. Zuckerberg, you know, you're not from here. You flew into D.C. to talk to us. Would you mind telling us publicly where you stayed last night?" And he just kind of stood there and like kind of laughed and was like, "No." And then they were like, "Would you mind telling us where you ate dinner last night?" And he was like, "Well." no, I don't really want to do that either. And he said, well, would you at least tell us how much money you spent on dinner last night? And he was like, no, I don't really want to do that either. And he said, and yet you're providing this platform that encourages people to do all of these things immediately, right? And mm-hmm. everybody kind of got a good chuckle out of it. And um, he sort of got a good chuckle out of it too. Um, but the the point held w- was that like we feel the need to instantly tell everybody everything about us just because we can. Yeah. Um, and that feels kind of bonkers. And then when you sort of bring that into a, um, a, a news response scenario, it gets really tricky um, because in the last week and a half, three major news outlets have had to come out and say, we missed a story. We missed it. We misreported. Mm. Um, we gave some bad facts. We correct those facts. Here are the facts. Facts are still bad. Um, but they were reported inaccurately. And so if you had spent the time to immediately respond to the inaccurate facts, then are you going to go back and then immediately respond to the correction? I mean, it's, it's a cycle that never ends. And there are some things that just demand a lot more thought. And then on top of those two things, I look at some of the issues that make major news cycles these days. And, um i think about uh systemic racism which is in my opinion a very real thing a very terrible thing that needs to be dismantled in the united states yep um and in in my local town you know yeah um and i know people who are doing amazing work in the realm of of really dismantling these systems who are not on social media um And, and who are very quietly doing amazing work. Um, and I would rather continue to watch them do amazing work than to jump onto social media and always have to have a response, you know? So I do think that there are times, you know, I've always felt like there are times that you do need to immediately say something if you know about it, like come Uh out, say the thing, be clear, be honest, be who you are. Um, but also that's no substitute for doing really good quiet work that no one ever knows about and that is slow that is not it, instant
0: exactly and that actually brings me perfectly to the third point which is being slow to assume yeah um people are nuanced and the internet by and large is not you know people are three dimensional our screens are two dimensional and it is hard to pick up on not only tone and and rhetoric, but also what's not being said. Yeah. And so someone's silence could very well be because they're doing the on the ground, unsexy, hard work of dismantling racism or sexism or poverty or whatever the issue is yeah. in their local community. And it is a better use of their gifts and resources and energy than having some kind of public statement in a tweet. yeah, And, you know, even when we're not talking about issues or newsworthy events, just looking at somebody online, looking at their body of work, and deciding why it may or may not be for you. So to bring it back again to those unsubscribes, I noticed a few other people were, um, they had mentioned that they decided to unsubscribe once they heard that we had joined the Catholic Church as a family, which is a whole other thing that we can maybe get to later on this podcast. But, um, and the reason is because they assume that because we have basically put ourselves under the authority of the Catholic Church, then it means we believe and feel A, B, and C about a certain type of person, a certain belief, a certain you name it. And so they're jumping to this huge conclusion, yeah, yeah. based on this one thing they know about me, and they don't know me really. They and yeah. here's here's what it comes down to is I have messed up their their idea of who they want me to be. Or they've yeah. messed I've messed with their um their version that they want about me and because I am not offering that now, they've been given another piece of information. They don't know what to do with it and they've just decided they can't have it. Here's the thing. I am all for the act of unsubscribing whenever you just flat out can't have something in your life for whatever certain reason. I mean, we're not, people are not for everyone and that's completely fine. Um, But you know, I, I follow a podcast that I learn a lot from. I really, really do not like this podcaster's politics at all. (laughs) We are on very opposite ends of the political spectrum, but I still subscribe to his podcast because I can learn from him. And I appreciate that his posture is one of humility and, you know, he he is nuanced. And so I appreciate that. So um, I don't know. Let's be slow to assume.
1: Yeah. And I think part of, again, part of the work of slowness and the work of slowly getting to know yourself and being comfortable with yourself and who you are. Um, means that when people make snap judgments about you, and you know, and you have clarity about who you are and what you believe and what you're about, what you're supposed to be about, some of those things just roll off your back a little bit differently. You know, if, they really if, you, have do. The, if you have the confidence of someone who has done the slow, hard work and continues to do the slow, hard work and continues to change, and and uh, be open to new ideas and move in different ways, um, then some of that stuff can just kind of float away. I I will ask cuz i think it's a fascinating question were the assumptions based on your joining of the catholic church were there both conservative and liberal people who assumed sort of quasi opposite things about you as a result and
0: uh huh 100% like they i mean it's it's fascinating to me um and, and i think maybe this is why the catholic church can feel so uncomfortable to people because it's so old. It doesn't fit into anybody's modern categories. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it does a great job of pissing off both the liberals and the conservatives. Um, it, it's uncomfortable for me. There's right. things that I'm like, eh, I don't know. Cause you're a human. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're saying. Right. Um, it, you know, and of course this is just one example of nuance. I'm not at all implying that this is the bulk of, um, of where nuance lies. We we can be nuanced and not be Catholic, but um, this is just my reality at the moment. And so I'm just, I, I'm rattling people's ideas of who they thought I was. They thought yeah. because I promoted candidate x then of course i must believe this way theologically or because i make these decisions about my kids education then of course i also um think these other things and we're nobody is is one way we are all just a mixed bag of i don't know Cats. stuff
1: man stuff yes. i can't think of what it stuff. is but
0: yeah we're stuck yeah
1: i mean i took i took some of that heat amber and i took some of that heat after the election i mean it was very i mean go back through my profiles i was very clear i mean i'll just say to the listener here i voted for joe biden i right. very much supported joe biden not because i agree with everything joe biden says and certainly not because i consider myself a democrat Right. Um, but I felt like we were at an imperative point in American history, and I felt like, uh, you know, of the two candidates, there was one candidate that could get us where we needed to go out of that imperative moment, at least, head us in the right direction, point us in the right direction. Now, does that mean that I'm a hundred percent pro-abortion? No, no, not at all. And I've been exactly very, very clear about that, and and um, and yet I took heat uh, from people saying that same thing, like, Oh, you, you, how could you ever support abortion? And that's right. not what I was doing. And so I think that that part of the problem, um, and this is not to make it about politics. I have very good friends who will vote another way. I'm yeah. still very close friends with them and and will continue to be. Um, and typically when we get in a room, I can vehemently dis- uh, disagree with their political opinion and we can still find common ground where we still love each other and still have productive conversations. Um, but that's not because we, well, that is primarily because we're in relationship, not because we're in this weird subscriber consumer, you know, producer relationship. And I think once we start to commodify each other and impute meaning to each other that may be uh, not warranted or not fair, and then that that sort of commodity turns sour or disappoints, then it's really easy to just throw the commodity away and just say, Tish, you're a commodity. I'm done with you. You know, yeah. and, Seth, you're a commodity. I'm done with you. And I do this to people too. It's not just, you know, I'm a human too. So I do, I have done this too. Um, yep. And I think part of what we have to get back to again, back to your slowness um, we have to get back to the slow art of paying attention. You know, we, we, we talked about this a little bit, um, uh, with uh, other writers, the art of paying attention a few years back. I don't know if you remember that, but, Mm -hmm. um, that that's the primary work of the writer. And I think that's actually the primary work of the writer because it's the primary work of the human paying attention, slowing down, listening to each other, um, not being so quick to throw each other away. And, and listen, you know, if, like you said, if I'm not for you, like, please, Go find the person that's for you. I'm totally cool with that. You're not hurting my feelings. Right. But don't throw your assumptions on me.
0: Exactly. And I think that seeing is the act of being sacramental. Um, you know, I heard this morning I heard this fantastic definition of um sacramentality, which is simply seeing the world as it really is. Yeah. And since we like to talk about that here, and since this episode in particular is about slowness, just to bring it full circle, um, you know, we have a neighbor down the street who during the election had all sorts of signs in their yard for the uh, opposite candidate our family had signs in our yard for, or at least, you know, that we were voting for. Um, they were Trump supporters, basically. Right. Um, and they, felt compelled to put signs out in their yard for that. And I I admit that I'm I was probably quick to judge yeah. what their they might have been like, yeah. you know, a, as people. Well, fast forward and my walking habit, you know, I walk every day, nearly every day past their house. It is a sweet older couple who have a fantastic backyard garden that I can see because it's a corner lot. They are the nicest people. They say hello. They talk about our dog, our neighbor across the street who drives a Harley. He's been over there. I've seen him in their garage just chit-chatting. They are you know, beacons of the neighborhood, because they've been here a long time. And I have really grown to appreciate who they are as people just a sweet older couple. And for me, that's, that's my lesson. These people are nuanced. And, and I slowed down enough to walk past their house and recognize that. And I don't think I would have if I just drove by their house all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that is key for this moment. Um, in our country is just being slow enough to actually get to know each other as people, yep. not as avatars, uh, you know, not as 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 thoughts or ideas on a screen. One of the things Amber and I've been talking, we've actually talked about on this podcast. Amber and I have been talking a lot about why d- do Instagram quotables work to drive audience engagement? Yeah. And I just freaking <laughs> refuse to do it.
0: I refuse
1: <laughs> yeah. to do it. I know it would be good,
0: no, uh, good for, for your
1: audience, but I cannot do it. No, and, don't do and, it. <laughs> and the reason, the reason I think um, that I push so much against it is, it is just the instant gratification of quotable words in a moment that don't make us wrestle with the meaning of an image. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of what I'm going to share um, today, and what is 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 beautiful to me right now is an artist who is legitimately making uh, the viewer wrestle with the art of an image, and it takes time. You can't necessarily impute me- impute meaning, and it's important.
0: Okay, go ahead and tell us about this in because that was going to be my next question, is what's adding beauty to your life? So tell me more.
1: So there is an account called Finding Interesting People. Finding Interesting People. So just cool. all crammed together. I actually sent you the link so that while we're talking, you could pull it up. Maybe
0: I'm pulling it up Uh, right now.
1: And if you look at it, it's just black and white street photography, um, by, I think a female, uh, artist who's just capturing the world through her lens. Every one of these photos Mm. is either an interesting composition or an interesting person. And it really makes you stop and say like, what is the story of that photograph? But again, you know, you have to slow down and stop and look at these photos and spend time with them and say, Mm -hmm. what is it about this that's compelling? And they're all compelling to me.
0: Yeah, these are fantastic. I mean, first of all, it's in New York, which has so many, you know, street images that – that it's just interesting to those of us who don't live in that environment. Um, I love that she's done black and white mm-hmm. and I like that the, it's not quotes. I agree. <laughs> these are real photos.
1: And yeah. I don't know why my assumption is that it's a woman and I'm not a hundred percent sure why, because I'm looking at the um, but I'm looking at the, the the profile and doesn't really say that. So what is really super interesting is that I've already made an assumption based on these images Um, and the way that these images have been captured that makes me think this is a female Mm. looking at the world. So Mm -hmm. even that is just a fascinating assumption on my part.
0: Well, and you're the one that um, really gave me that idea last year about thinking of um, Instagram more as a museum. And it has made me hate it so much less. So I'm not yet at the point where I like it. Like, I don't think I like it as much as you, but I don't hate it like I used to. So I appreciate it.
1: (laughs) The curation has made a difference, the the world of difference in my life.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. It's like visual poetry versus... 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I I actually
1: talked about this in my last newsletter because I've been Hmm. having such a hard time writing. What I have found is that if I can find the right image, it somehow unlocks the words. In this like last three weeks, four weeks of just having a real struggle writing, like Mm -hmm. it's unlocking words for me.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. and Kyle, don't put this in. But I just think it's funny. I went to my homepage and it's literally. Word so like, ah, Word art. It's it
1: amazing. It's yeah. jarred
0: my soul. I'm unfollowing right now. Okay. You got to mute anyway. those
1: things. <laughs> All right. You, you, what you should do is just, Kyle, put a big long beep there and then just me <laughs> coming back and there saying, you, go. you got to mute those things.
0: That's a good idea. Yeah, do that, Kyle.
1: So, what are you uh, listening to, watching, reading that is making your life a little bit more good, true, beautiful?
0: Well, right now it is a new to me podcast that I did not know existed because I thought they just did written stuff. Um, It's have you heard of the website Atlas Obscura? No. I think you would like it. It's a great travel website, but apparently they do a podcast, and I started binging on this podcast the past week, and I it is a delight. And one of the reasons I like it is because each episode is only like fifteen minutes long. Okay. Really, there's a place for shorter podcasts, and I'm here for it. Um, and it is a podcast about the weird, obscure, unknown places around the world that would never make a travel guide or would never make a um, like you would walk by and never know. So the first episode I listened to was from a few weeks ago and it was called Brooklyn Latrine. And it was about this buried latrine, like before there was indoor plumbing in this guy's backyard. And so it just, and it's really well produced. The sound is great. It's, it's like reporting, but it's reporting about just mundane things that we walk by. And I thought it was perfect for this particular episode of talking about slow and walking because it feels like, um they discovered these things by going on walks and unpacking these unknown places so um there's one about a sourdough library there's this one about what this, yeah there's this one about this tiny little place in Malawi there's a 1000-year-old rose somewhere um there's a thing about communist mummies uh snake dens i mean there's just really cool like tiny little weird bizarre places Um, so I feel like it's a great audio form of armchair travel. Like if you're just feeling the itch to get the heck out of Dodge because of this pandemic and you still just can't, that this is a really good podcast for that. So, um, two thumbs up from me. I'm glad to have found a new travel podcast.
1: Oh man, that sounds, that sounds pretty amazing. I'm gonna have to listen to that.
0: Yeah, it's really good. I think listeners of this show, if you like our show, you'd probably like the show. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode. You can find it as well as all episodes at adrinkwithafriend.com. And it's also where you can sign up for the Substack, Uh, And it's where you can support the show for just a few bucks. If you like what we do here, we're almost 100% listener supported and we like that. So again, it's all at a adrinkwithafriend.com and in the show notes of this episode. You can find me in my work at tishoxenrider.com. Seth, where can people find you?
1: Seth Haynes com And like last week, follow me over on Instagram at yeah. Seth Haynes.
0: Yes. You're doing good work there. I appreciate well, it. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. that.
1: I'm really excited about the next photo that I'm going to release, Ooh. which I found on my phone taken in Kansas city in 2017.
0: nice You will see
1: it probably by the time this episode goes out.
0: Very cool. All right. We'll look forward to it. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod, Editing is by Kyle Oxenreiter. Caroline Tissell is our transcriber and assistant extraordinaire. I'm Tish Oxenreiter, and Seth and I will be back here with you soon. Thanks for listening.